This is a podcast from Seven Vineyard. We've been doing a number of series. Um, we haven't been copying Joe Biden or the Tories. Uh, we, we, uh, the idea of a series that was building back better, we thought we were unique in of, uh, saying, as we re-emerge into a world that has been shaken, what does it look like to build back better? And we've been looking at various mini-series that are bricks in the wall of what it means to build back better. Um, Dan has been taking us uh, through a series, uh, I, I was tempted to give it the wrong name just to make you do something confrontational, Dan. Um, dividing the men's is, uh, is what Dan has been, uh, mending the divides is what uh, Dan has been taking us on a, a series of. We wanted to have a, a, a different today, starting a different brick in this wall as we try to build back better. Because Owen said to me, um, Mal, uh, I think that as we look at the three priorities that we are highlighting as a community, even where we're dispersed, of what does it mean to attend to our spiritual emotional health? What does it mean to attend to our families and neighbours? And what does it mean to attend to our wider world? Um, I, I want to do a mini-series on family, on what does it really mean to be family? Um, would you be up for that? And so that's what I've been thinking about the last few weeks. Um, one of our lockdown pleasures has been getting into modern family. Uh, and anybody appreciate modern family as a show? Uh, oh, it's just lovely to have some feedback in the room. <laughs> um, Modern Family has been a, a real treat for us. It really passes the six laugh test um, in our world. And I guess that's what I want to t title this series is Modern Family, uh, question mark. Because uh, um, I think in the same way that we see uh, uh, people reimagining uh, in, in our culture, reimagining how gathering and how church works, um, I also think there is an, a reimagining going on of what family is in our culture. But I actually think that Jesus did it first. That I think Jesus also takes us on a journey to reimagine family. And that's what, that's what I hope this mini-series will be, getting us to think about this. What do we mean by family and neighbour? And what can we do about it? Where's that reimagining in culture? Well, sociologists say that the number one defining TV show of the last 30 years, and also the most popular, even amongst 18-year-olds for some reason, is Friends is that Friends has, has almost skipped generations. And what's it about is people who've come together at a similar point with a similar focus. That um, uh, they reflect, I think, uh, what Bridget Jones says at the start, uh, if you've seen that movie. And um, when she introduces her core friendship group, um, she says, meet my urban family. And I think in many ways, friends is that. It's that understanding of a, an, an urban family. And when we come to the table, the word family probably does different things to us. Places of uh, connection or affirmation or anger or high performance or disappointment. 
or betrayal. It can mean all kinds of things to us. And I, I want to spend just a few minutes thinking, asking Jesus, Jesus, where are you getting me to reimagine family? Um, my journey in this is that I come from a uh, uh, non-Christian, uh, fairly dysfunctional family. Um, my dad was a successful businessman, but a high-functioning alcoholic. Um, he was very high up in the Freemasons, and uh, um, he wasn't. Uh, um, uh, uh, his fu his funeral was a very odd thing because uh, he's had five sons through um, two different uh, mums. And my brother said to me, I was wondering if any of his other children would show up today. <laughs> that uh, there are other children that we think there are, but don't know that much about. And it was an odd thing to, to mark the moment of his passing when he hadn't really been a father to to any of us um so so that really yeah that's where I when I came to meet uh God when I was uh 18 um it was quite easy for me to understand uh now I am your child uh, the song that they sang in the uh when I think I first really started to go after God was um Father God, I wonder how I managed to exist um, without the knowledge of your parenthood and your loving care. But now I am your child. I am accepted in your family. And life will never be the same. <laughs> I was wanting everybody to start singing and then you can't. <laughs> and I will never, because Father God, you're... You're there beside me, and I will sing your praises forever. But it was those words, um, now I'm your child, I'm adopted um, in your family, was a really quite easy thing for me to engage with. That um, I'm, I'm your child, and I'm, I'm adopted in your family. But I kind of came into a church world that talked a lot about family. But I was, do you really mean it's family? I'm not sure you do, because people say it's family, but that looks slightly abusive at times, because it looks like a control thing. And, uh, but would you really give people money, for instance? I think that's the definition of family. Family costs. <laughs> so, uh, you know, oh yeah, we're family. Well, give me 100 quid, and let's talk about it. <laughs> um, what are we, uh, I think I came into the church going, you look slightly, it's almost like, is this really family? And I want to, to understand Jesus' family, um, but I see some very functional family. I came to faith through meeting a household where um, uh, they had a, uh, I got to know this girl and she was very nice and uh, um, I got to meet her family, and it was the first functional family I'd really seen. They looked to hang out together. On Sunday afternoons, they went for walks together. They actually liked being together and made time to be together. And I hadn't seen that 
in my first 18 years of life. My life had all been about activity and sport and being a success and training and all the things that activity and performance. It hadn't about been about just resting in the presence of people who you really were for you. Um, and that's what I, I, I want us to dig into a bit in this time. In the, in the emphasis that, uh, that we've got of these three values. We call it friends, uh, family, and neighbor. And I just want to kind of go with the distinction of Jesus was, Jesus was asked both of those things. He was asked about his family, and he was asked about who's his neighbor. So almost let's get the neighbor one out of the way, because I think neighbor is a slightly lower bar. A neighbor is a slightly lower bar in, in the, it, you may go, it's, it's still a high bar, but it's a slightly lower bar, um, that Jesus tells a parable. Because somebody who wants to make themselves look good says, uh, uh, a Pharisee says to Jesus, what's the greatest command? And um, Jesus says, uh, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. And because he wanted people to see that, uh, that he was intelligent and looked good, it says in the scripture, he says, yes, but who is my neighbor? And then Jesus tells a parable of um, somebody from a, uh, a, the, the most despised culture, um, the people who are most hated in their world, showing mercy and kindness. And then he asks, who was the neighbor in that situation? And, uh, and the guy says, the one who showed mercy. And he said, you're right. Go and do likewise. Your neighbor, I think by that definition, is who you're supposed to show mercy on. If you want a simple definition, and even I was trusting that the Holy Spirit was even going, who, who, do you, who comes to your mind when you think, that's who I actually need to show mercy towards? They may be your physical people around you in your neighborhood. They may be people in networks, in relational networks. But it's actually the people that you feel like, and convicted by the Spirit, I believe, I'm supposed to show mercy. That they need mercy. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. Mercy is having some understanding of the backstory that might be behind why somebody acted in that way. That they didn't just act in that way because they were a plonker. What caused them to act that way? That's one of the things I found most helpful about the emotionally focused process, is to make me look at not just why am I triggered in things, but why is that person operating in that way? And I think I've been able to be a lot more merciful, actually having more insight as to what their triggers have been. Does that make sense? So what about, what about family? If Jesus was also asked about family. And uh, in, uh, it's, it's in three of the Gospels, this uh, question, this same narrative, but there's a little bit more information in the Luke version. Um, and in the Luke version, uh, it says uh, that uh, they say to Jesus, 
your mothers and brothers are, are here. Um, they're standing outside and they're wanting to see you. And uh, Jesus replies, uh, in some of the uh, other uh, versions of it, they said, who are my mothers and brothers? He says, my mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. I love that as the foundational definition. The definition of who hears the word of the Lord with you and puts it into practice with you. Who are your connections where even when we're isolated and in different spaces, who do you make the effort, whether that's on Zoom or Skype or in a garden or in whatever form, to hear God's word and to put it into practice with? Jesus says, that's your family. Who do you make time to consider what God might be saying? You can be in a mar- have a great marriage, but not be family by that definition. If you're actually saying, looking at each other and saying, what's God saying to us? And how are we supposed to put it into practice? I love the 24-7 guys. I'm a fan of Pete Gregg a lot. And I've loved, it's interesting in this lockdown season, what things have had real energy. And his prayer course and the Lectio 365 app, I think, have had real energy. Um, but I remember, I did quite a lot with him 15 odd years ago. And I remember um, uh, they would meet each year as a team um, to consider as prayer rooms got off the ground, they would meet to, um, to say uh, uh, for their kind of team gathering, their dispersed team gathering. And because they had one team running prayer rooms in the nightclubs of Ibiza, they all decided to meet every year in Ibiza, <laughs> which sounds a good team to be part of. Um, and every year they do that. But the thing that I loved, he told me, he said, each year we gather and we say, um, what's God saying to us? But the first thing we want to know he's saying to us is, is he still saying, let's do this prayer business? Let's do prayer rooms. Or is his hand lifting off of it? That's the first thing we want to ask each other. And there is an assumption that if he says no, that God says no, we're going to ask each other, so what are we going to do together instead? What's he saying to us instead that we're supposed to do together? Because actually family is who do you hear God's word with and then who do you go and put it into practice with? Not who do you just keep doing things on a hamster wheel with? Um, As we go deeper into this, I hope into future weeks, I want to look at my journey as almost one having to to deconstruct. Um, I'm aware that marriage, you are are meeting somebody from a different family line um, and working out the, God, what do you have for us and how do we put it into practice? But then you have blood family. And I think my journey had been almost one where I completely dismissed blood family 
It was all about hearing God's word and putting it into practice and almost wanting to be radically countercultural in that and who we had live with us. And um, we, we had, uh, I think we, it, we lived for, in America for three and a half years and we, count, we could count on a couple of hands the number of days in those three and a half years we didn't have somebody else living with us. Um, we were trying to work out how do we do God family what does it mean to be God family? Um, but then I think some of my journey has been, actually there is something about uh, who, who your, your, your birth family, your blood family. Even if it's been problematic, there's some attachment there. There's something to bring before God. The last thing he says in the, in the context of, um, of the cross is about family. To his mum and to his friend. Jesus says to his mum, you know, I'm, she's going to the cross and he points to somebody else saying, this is now your son. And then he says to this guy who's been his friend, and now you've got a mum. They're his last words in the John account. There's something about even uh, the, the, how we treat our mother and father, how we, how we understand them, um, it seems is really important to God in the Ten Commandments. It's one of the first, and it's the first one that's conditional. It's honor your mother and father, some versions say, that it would go well for you in Exodus 20. That you would have a long and prosperous life. There's something about having right relationship or having, having how you treat your wider birth or blood family that you have it in a right space in your heart um, that it would go well for you honour means you can only speak well of what you can speak well of that might be a very short list it may just mean showing mercy the thing you do to neighbours but one of the things I want to dig deeper into in future weeks of this is the final bit what is the third part of emotionally focused uh, the the family part they apply a lot of the thinking to um, to your families and you have to read a book by a, a guy um, who, who wrote a theory called Bowen theory funnily enough his name's Bowen and he observed, uh, uh, he grew up in the Midwest, and he observed cows. Um, uh, and what he, uh, growing up, I don't think there was a lot to do, but as he was with those cows, what he acknowledged was the number one currency in a herd was anxiety. That any group, if one cow got um, electrocuted on a fence, that, that anxiety went all the way through the herd. And his comment was, 
Um, anxiety is the currency of relationships. And it spreads right the way through a group. And it only stops where there's a road and the herd, the other side of the, of the fence, are just wash, watching on amused. Um, or there's a gap in the herd. And it's only the ones who are, cu- who, are, who, are, who are detached from the anxiety who bring something different that stops anxiety. And I think, man, I see this in my own experience of family. If I see anxiety or frustration or hassle, I meet it with anxiety. You know, you're frustrated, then I'll frame it's frustrated. You know, you're angry about it, I'll be angry about it. I can be angrier about it. Or whatever, yeah? And that's just a, a spiral that goes in the wrong direction. And what he, and what he points to is that um, the only thing that starts to get us to a place of dealing with our birth family well is when we're no longer defined by anxiety, but defined by peace. And it interests me that this book doesn't mention the fruits of the Spirit, but for everyone, I know that one of, one of the um, contemplative things that Dan's taught me is, the, is a breath prayer of breathing in the, uh, the fruit of the Spirit in turn and breathing out the opposite and naming my emotions of the opposite. So I breathe, breathe in love. I breathe out rejection where I've experienced it. Where, I, where I've seen it this day. I breathe in joy. I breathe out disappointment. I breathe in peace. And I breathe out worry. The opposite of often what is the currency in our families. So I'd just like us to pray for a minute for each of our situations. Lord, we give to you a journey to dive deeper into what it means to be family. To wrestle with your word around both the family you've given us that we choose and commit to, whether that is a network of friendships or whatever that looks like. Lord, the people you've given us to hear your word and put it into practice with. Lord, we ask you to, to, for your blessing on our God-family relationships. Give us insight on how we're supposed to hear you. How we're supposed to agree what it is you're saying and what we're supposed to do about it. And Lord, we give to you our birth families. And a lot of the anxiety that there can be as the control, that our identity is not just as an individual, but where we have identity just from the herd that we've been part of. And Lord, we ask you to take us on a journey of learning what it is to bring peace into places where the defining thing has been anxiety. Anxiety.
where you've called us to be the calmest person in the room, where you call us to stop the cycle of fear or worry, to speak your mercy, to speak your peace, to speak your goodness, to speak your acceptance. Thank you that your word says that you accept us and you put us in families. We ask for wisdom for the journey ahead of how we live into being family before you more and more and more.